Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the gospel of our risen Lord. You may be seated. I thought about doing an experiment for our sermon today. I didn't, and you're about to find out why. As we look at our reading for today about, about loving God above everything else, I thought it would be interesting to go home every single day from work, and instead of greeting my wife first, greet my dog first. And give her all the pets and the attention in the world. And then give attention to my wife. And what I was going to see is how long that mix-up in priorities could last until she finally said, okay, that's enough. Why do you love the dog more than me? Because you could obviously see that, that it's not as if you don't, she wouldn't want me to love the dog. She just wants to know that I love her more than the dog. These are things that you don't do to your seven-month pregnant wife. And so I didn't, I didn't do the experiments. But the principle stands. We do this thing in life where we create these little, little priority levels. And today we're going to talk about a big one. And that's God. The priority list he has and the priority list that, that we have with him. Our reading sort of takes us to that moment when Moses delivers the Ten Commandments to the people on behalf of God. And he gets to that first one, and he tells the people that they need to love God above everything else that's in their lives. And if we look at, if we look at what Jesus is saying in our gospel, we sort of see, hear a, a New Testament equivalent to that. As he's sending out these, these disciples on this really difficult mission of, of preaching the gospel from city to city, village to village, household to household. He's saying exactly what the Lord God said through Moses. Love me above absolutely everything else. And so, with that in mind, I want the word that we carry through this entire sermon, and maybe that we carry through this week, to be priorities. What does God expect us to have in terms of priorities? Like I said, it seems a little maybe dark 
Jesus says that he didn't come to bring peace. That, that's not exactly a, a happy-go-lucky moment in the gospel when Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. He says, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. And then he goes on to explain, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone of you who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. By themselves, we look at these words and we say, Jesus, what are you saying? How on earth could you expect us to not love our family? That seems so counterintuitive. That just seems wrong. And it's in a moment like this that we sort of have to take a step back and remember how it is that we interpret Scripture. First, we look at the immediate context. What is the point that Jesus is trying to make? Is it that you need to dislike your spouse? Is it that that he's trying to get the disciples to say, yeah, I don't really care about my family at all? No, instead he's saying in those moments when, when they're pitted against one another, when you've got God on this side and your family on this side, and for whatever reason you see some type of friction and difference, we ought to trust God more. And the second thing we've got to remember as we, as we read through these verses and we see the, the shocking way that Jesus is talking about family, remember all of the other times in Scripture that Jesus speaks about family. As he tells husbands to love their wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for them. As he tells wives to stick by their husbands. As he tells parents to, to love and to train up their children and children to love and, and obey their parents. Does it really seem like what God is trying to do is to create these families in which there's a ton of friction and frustration? Absolutely not. His end goal is not to, to destroy your family. But what he's saying is that ultimately... Ultimately, there are going to be moments when, when family and God are on two different sides. And in those moments, we choose our God. That's love. That is what it means to, to love God above absolutely everything else. To say that, that God is number one and, and really everything else is is number two. In this context, though, I will say it's probably a little different for them as it, as it is for us. Imagine putting yourself in the, the shoes of these disciples. They were about to go home and tell their spouses and their families and their parents that they were going to follow Jesus. They were going to leave their home. They were going to follow this man who said he was God. You could imagine maybe some of the responses they were about to get. That man's nuts, and anybody that follows him is nuts. Thankfully, I think our context is different. Whether, whether the members of your family are here in church today or not, there's a very good chance that when you walked out the door today, you didn't have a spouse or a child or, or somebody in your household that said, don't you dare go to church, don't go to church, don't go to church, I don't want you there. No, so our context is a little bit different, but but we still do see this play itself out. We see how there are those moments in which it almost seems as if God and what he wants is pitted against 
against what we want in our families. Think about the, the moment when we just decide we don't have time for him. When God says, I want your energy, I want your effort, I want your attention, and we get into these phases of life in which we say, you know what, God, that's just too much that you're asking of me. And things get in the way. Things get in the way between us and God, between what he calls out of us as far as our time goes and, and what we give to him. You can imagine a, a baseball game gets in the way. Golf practice. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's just general busyness. Where we have this priority list in life, and, and maybe on Sunday we look and we go, God is right here. He is right at the tippy-tippy top. And all week long I'm going to make time for him, and I'm going to take time to, to pray to him, to talk to him, and, and to go into the word and for him to, to talk back to me. But then Monday rolls around. And that devotion you were going to do just ah, didn't have time for today. And that prayer that you were going to say with your spouse and for your spouse, ah, I just didn't get around to it today. Work was too tough. I'm too stressed out. I'm too anxious. I need my sleep. I don't have time. I just need, I need some me time. I think it's in those moments, those moments where we really do see God pitted against the other perceived needs in our lives. And so sometimes he gets knocked down to number two, or three, or five, or seven, or 12. And then sometimes we have these moments in our lives, these days, these weeks, these, these seasons of our lives, in which we look at the priority list and we go, I don't even see time with my God up there. But I want you to look at God's priority list instead of yours. I want you to look at, at the priority list that he set forth, not, not first for you, but first for himself in Christ. Because Jesus understands what it is like to be in your shoes. He understands what it's like to have the world pulling him in all different directions, to even having members of his own family. We hear that his, his brothers and sisters, as, as it says in Scripture, tried to, tried to dissuade him from what he was doing. We hear how Jesus understands what it's like to go through life, having all of these obligations, all of these stresses, all of these things, pulling him away from his priority list, or at least attempting to do so. And he knows that that's what's waiting for the disciples. He knows that those disciples that day are going to go, yes, God, you are my priority. Yes, Lord Jesus, you are everything to me. And that they're going to go out into the world and be pulled in different directions. Brothers and sisters, Jesus gets that. He gets it when it happens in our lives. And so I encourage you, look at his priority list. As he goes through this life, and you might think you as the Lord, the king of the earth, should have yourself at the absolute top of your own priority list. He goes, I'm not there. And as we turn our eyes off of our priority list and we look at Jesus, we are stunned to see your name at the top of it. 
as he walked through this life full of trials and challenges, your name stood at the top of his priority list every single day. He woke up and every single day, what was on his mind was numero uno, and that was, how can I win salvation for you in 2023? How can I make sure that you have a path and a relationship with God? That becomes all the more clear as Jesus hangs on the cross and the mockers call out to him and they say, if you are who you say you are, you're going to save yourself, you're going to make yourself your number one priority and you're going to come down off that cross. And it's in that moment where we see Jesus go, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not my own priority. The people of this world are. And you look at the priority list of, of God the Father who created all things, who rules all things, the master of the wind and waves, the one that that controls nations and allows them to rise and to fall. And you look at his priority list and you would assume there's quite a bit on it. But that top spot belongs to you. You even look at it and you go, well, but certainly your son must be at the top. You hear, you hear the Lord say at Jesus' baptism, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And yet when you look at the priority list of God the Father, in that number one spot, you don't see Jesus. You see you. As God the Father gives up his son for you. The blood of Jesus was a lower priority to God than your blood. He went to the greatest lengths we could imagine to secure salvation for us so that we would know every day of our lives that we are his priority. And because we are his priority, we know that we have value in this world. And I think that changes the entire way that we look at that first commandment. We, we, we hear it say, love the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods. Martin Luther in his explanation on the first commandment says, you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And this sounds like this, this deeply scary and oppressive task as, as we go, I, I could not carry that out. And this God, this unapproachable, perfect, holy God, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't love him the way he deserves. But God says, don't worry. For those moments I've forgiven you and I've, I've loved you all the more. My love carries with you and, and my, love, my love permeates to every part of your life. Now I want you to, to put yourself back in your family. To put yourself back in your church, to put yourself back in your workplace. And I want you to consider what would it look like if you loved God more than your spouse, if you loved God more than your kids, if you as kids loved, loved God more than your parents, if you loved God more than you loved your brothers and sisters at church and, and more than you loved your pastor, would that be a detrimental thing? Absolutely not. As we reflect that love that God has for us, we see that it is magnified in, in a beautiful way as we express it to the people around us. And actually, by loving God, 
we are able to better love the people around us. You can imagine the situation in which the, the husband is starting to, to fall asleep because he's had a long day at work and, and his wife has been up with the kids all day long and he goes, you know what? We'll save devotion for another day. We just, I just can't do it tonight. And the devotion booklet is picked up and flung across the room from the wife and it hits the husband right in the head and she says, oh no, we need to make time for this because while you're important to me and your re- relaxation is important to me, God is more important. That's a beautiful household. You can imagine a circumstance in which mom and dad are are, are having a rough Sunday morning and they don't want to go to church and the kids come bounding in and jump up and down on the bed and they say, we need to go to church, we need to go to church, we need to go to church. And in that moment, those kids are loving God more than they are loving, more than they're loving their parents' sanity. But it's a blessing because that time with God is just so important. You can imagine a, a, a negative conversation that happens at church and, and it turns to, to maybe gossip or, or, or Lord forbid it, slander. And somebody steps in and, and, and makes the whole thing awkward by saying, this has no place here. Does it make it uncomfortable? Absolutely. But, but what a blessing that in that moment, that person loves God more than he or she loves the people around us. It's sort of a trickle-down effect. When we see how much God loves us and we put God above everything else, all of a sudden the love that God has for us has, its, has a way of, of being shown through us to the people in our lives in a much more incredible way than if we love those people more than God. So I pray for it. I pray that, that every single person in this room would love God more than the other people in this room. Because that's the priority list that God wants us to have. Because he knows, he knows what a blessing it will be for families, for churches, and for communities. He finishes it out, Jesus does, after he tells all of these disciples that that they're about to have a real tough couple days and, and weeks of ministry. He finishes with this. He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus is saying, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to be put to shame on the last day for loving me the most. You are not going to, as you wait for Jesus to to take you to heaven, you are not going to lay on that deathbed and go, oh man, I wish I would have spent less time reading my Bible. Oh, I, I wish I would have spent less time in prayer. No, Jesus is saying there's just no way. There's no way you are going to to regret putting me first. Because I don't regret putting you first. He doesn't regret giving you the promises of of eternal life. He doesn't regret making you a priority when he had you brought to the baptismal font and you were inextricably connected with him 
and he says, my death is your death, and my glorious resurrection is your glorious resurrection. In light of that, brothers and sisters, when God says, love me above everything else, it looks a lot less like a command. Because we, we look at his priority list, and we look somewhere at the bottom, and we try to see ourselves, and he says, no, look, look higher. Look at the top. That's not a command anymore. That's this beautiful invitation. Love me who loved you first. Amen.